You are listening to Help for HD Live, the first podcast created for families living with Huntington's and juvenile Huntington's disease. Don't forget to find us on iTunes, Blog Talk, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also search over 500 archived episodes and other projects at helpforhd.org. To watch us in person, find Help for HD TV on YouTube and subscribe and ring the bell for notifications on new content. Help for HD Live is going on air in 5, 4, 3, 2, everyone and thank you so much for tuning in to help for hd live this show is made possible because of the educational grant from teva pharmaceuticals and the griffin foundation i'm your host lauren holder and today we've got michelle west on the phone with us on the line with us um who is who's a longtime caregiver her son had um juvenile huntington's disease and recently passed away and you also took care of your husband is that correct michelle no, just my son. Um, his father passed away um, at a skilled nursing facility before my son was diagnosed. Okay. Well, we are so glad to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's start off with um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So, um um, like you said, I um, was a parent of um, a GHD individual who recently passed away at the age of 21. Um, I was his uh, primary caregiver for um, the seven years since his diagnosis, um, when he was diagnosed at the age of 14. Um, so uh, my primary role was, or my primary duties was to become a CNA, and um, take care of him full-time at home. I did not want to put him in a nursing facility. So um, I knew he would be better at home. So that's what I did is I uh, obtained the uh, the uh, appropriate education that I needed to take care of him, and I accomplished that. I think that's absolutely wonderful that you, you know, were able to take care of him at home and getting your CNA and doing all of that. That's just awesome. So you mentioned a little bit just that um, obviously you took care of your son who has juvenile Huntington's, but your husband also had Huntington's, and he was in a skilled nursing facility. How old was he? Um, actually, um, Jordan's father and I were um, never married. Um, okay. So... Um, it happened way back when um, I started dating Jordan's dad. Um, I had learned a little bit about HD, and um, he was in his 30s when I, I learned about that. And we had um, we became engaged um, when we found out that Jordan was on his way, and uh, something just told me um, not to follow through with that, um, and. I'm kind of glad I didn't because I would have had both of them to take care of, and I'm not sure I could have handled both of them. Um, Jordan's dad was 40. Yeah, Jordan's dad was 43 when he passed away, and he had been in, in and out of several um, um, skilled nursing facilities uh, during that during probably the five years of his life. Mm. That's tough. 
And then your son had a uh, JHD. How old was he when he started showing symptoms? So Jordan started showing symptoms when he was um, about seven years old. He was on his second round of kindergarten. They held him back um, because of, I, I think it was because of the behavioral issues. And um, this, the things that he started doing was he would chew on his shirt and he would bounce around the back of the classroom, you know, when the, they try to make the kids sit down and do things, and Jordan could not sit down for anything. So he would be bouncing around in the back of the classroom. And then uh, he started patting his head and and making strange noises. Um, and through the course of his schooling, um, you know, we we developed an IEP for him, and we did as much as we could to to give him like sensory things on his desk so that he would stop chewing on his shirts. And oh, there were so many things we we had to put him in front because the cognitive ability was declining, and so he wouldn't pay attention to the teacher. And and we didn't know any of this was related to juvenile Huntington's disease until Jordan um, got to middle school. And um, they had class periods um, at this middle school, and so he could not process going from one classroom to the other. Um, After being in elementary school for so long and you stay in one classroom the whole time and all the subjects come to you, he could not flip around and do it the other way. It really confused him. So um, we got some testing done through the school, and and I thought it was autism because he really, really presented on the um, on the um, Asperger side of the autism scale. Mm-hmm. And I kept pushing for them to do the um, autism testing on him, and it's expensive. Uh, schools don't want to do it unless they have um, clear evidence to um, to do that kind of testing. And um, so then Jordan was put in a school that they um, they called it a special school, and mostly what was in the school was corrections kids. And Jordan had um, he had gone before a judge before that. Um, he had um, he had an airsoft pistol. And he shot another kid with an airsoft pistol. So we went before the judge, and he got community service. And so they thought maybe Jordan was, he fell under the corrections type kids, the behavior kids that that um, end up in corrections a lot. And when Jordan went to this special school, he, he could not, um, the kids picked on him. The um, teachers who were specialized, in um, helping kids with, um, you know, issues, um, they kept locking him into a room by himself, and so he would act out. And this is when we were fortunate enough to have a um, a teacher who um, also was a psychologist, and he um, – he was watching Jordan and he looked at all the documentation from the schools and he said, you know, you probably should go get him tested for Huntington's disease. Um, I'm, he he said, I'm thinking that we have enough evidence here that suggests that his behaviors point toward it. Mm 
Um, so that's what we did is um, we took him to Children's Hospital in Denver and we brought all of the documentation from all of the schools with us. And um, the first visit didn't prove to be effective, um, but they said, you know what, um, we want you to schedule another appointment and we're going to have the genetic counselor, we're going to have the psychologist, we're going to have all these other modalities in here with us. And um, then we're going to start talking about the possibility of him having Huntington's disease and what we need, the next steps we need to take. So, it, I mean, it was fairly difficult to get a diagnosis for him then. It was. It was very difficult. Um, that's the, the second visit then when we went to see the genetic counselor and um, – and all and the psychologists and all that. Then they finally they expl- they asked me if I understood what it was, and I said yes. But I I said I from what I had been reading that they won't test um, anyone under 18 because of the ethics issue that that goes with that. And um, they said we have enough documentation um, from Jordan's school with the behaviors and the social emotional social emotional issues. Um, that's, that's going to be, um, you know, that warrants us to test them for Huntington's disease. Um, so they said, um, we want you to go get the blood test done and then we want you to come back after we get the blood test and we'll talk about, um, the results and what we do from there. So yeah, it was several trips to Children's Hospital in order to get it done. What was his CAG? 74. Wow. Really high up there. Okay. Yep. Well, that's his dad's was terrible that you had to go through 52. that. Yeah. His dad's was 52. Oh, there's a big jump in that. Uh-huh. It mutated from his, from his dad to Jordan. So, yeah, there was a big jump. Wow. And therefore, that's why it resulted in the juvenile. Yeah. Um, so having a loved one with JHD is, is different than adult onset HD. Can you give some examples? Yeah, the difference is, um, first of all, the, the first one I noticed was the Parkinsonism. Um, and that's just, it's basically um, another term for bradykinesia, which is the slow movement. Jordan, his walk was very slow, his response was very slow. Um, and then he also had the myoclonic tremors and the postural um, instability where he, it was so hard for him to sit in a chair and sit upright. I had to prop him um, quite a bit in the chair. Um, early on in disease, he, ha- he would walk on his tiptoes. And his doctor has videos of Jordan walking down the hall in the hospital and how he would walk all the way down that hall on his tiptoes. Um, and then later that changed to, to grabbing the floor with his toes. So he would just curl his toes up and he would try to grab the floor with his toes while he was walking. So it kind of almost looked like when he was walking around and uh, down the hall. Um, another thing is they have lots of cramps, stomach cramps, um, loss of balance, 
um, lots of constipation, and I think that's related to the medication as well as the disease. Um, and the kids have seizures. Um, they're saying more than 50% of them have seizures. I did not see any seizures with Jordan. Um, and I think the main reason why I didn't see them is because I started early on giving him um, CBD from derived from hemp. And I believe that that mm-hmm. kept the seizures at bay. I did not see those. Um, and I was thankful because um, those just, um, the seizures just um, are an indication of just a more of a rapid decline. Um, he had, he dehydrated a lot. Um, and he dehydrated because he was always, he always was running a low grade fever. So he's always sweating every time we went to pick him up to move him, take him to the bathroom. He was always just sweating. So I had to do do a lot of uh, keeping him hydrated. Um, he also had um, a sensory uh, processing disorder where, like, textures or noises or overstimulation would just set him off. Um, and mm. he, you could tell he, he was just not comfortable with any of that. And then another one, which is really, it's, it's, it's odd, but it's, it seems to be common. It's the earwax buildup. Jordan had so much earwax in one ear that he could not hear out of that ear. And um, the doctor wanted to, she, she suggested that we try and, you know, get it cleaned out so he could hear. And I said, no, that's just going to cause more, more, you know, more agitation and cause him to be more uncomfortable just trying to get that out of there than, you know, he's used to it being in there. We might as well just leave it, leave it in there. But I was constantly cleaning his ears because it would just, it would just come out of his ears. I mean, I could just see it on the outside. Mm-hmm. And then itching. Um, yeah. Jordan, through the whole seven years that I took care of him, he was constantly itching. Something itched. And it was different parts of his body. Um, towards the later stages, it was his feet. And he would just say, his feet itch. And I'd, he'd want me to scratch his feet. And then one oh. thing I did notice, too, is that um, symptoms of the disease are more pronounced on one side of the body than the other. So Jordan's, the um, the contractures that he had was was um, on his uh, right side. So he would have more of the dystonia and more of the contracture of his arm on his right side than he did on the left side. And I did notice that symptoms would um, come and go or wax and wane, like the, t- the tides in the ocean or the phases of the moon. And I would write down the phases of the moon, and I would watch and see if Jordan's behaviors would change with that. And the one that I remember that stands out the most is the supermoon that we had. And right before we had the supermoon, Jordan's behaviors just got really, really bad. And um, once we went through that phase, then they lightened up again. So oh, I was able to very watch interesting. that. Yeah, I was able to watch how that happened, and I documented that. That was it was different to see that that 
that that uh, it works that way. Yeah, that's very interesting. I've never thought about um, about doing that, but that is such a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. what so, advice would you give other parents and caregivers that are taking care of a child with JHD? Um. The first one I would say would be to obtain as much information about the disease um, before the decline starts. And that would be because once they start into their, into their decline and start being able to no longer um, take care of themselves, then that's when um, you are so busy taking care of them that you barely have time for yourself. So even just just trying to get do research and all that into the disease, it, it gets much harder, and it gets much harder to communicate with other people. Um, so that's one thing that I, I would suggest to do. And then, um, you know, if you can obtain um, a some type of medical um, education, um, I think with me being a former EMT um, back when Jordan was very little and then um, obtaining my CNA, I, that pretty much helped me keep him out of the emergency room. Um, we didn't go nearly as often as I see most, uh, most of them do. Um, the only time I really took him in is if he had a really bad fall. And, um, so most of the time I could just call the doctor and say, well, this is what's happening and we can make an appointment. So that uh, I really suggest getting, getting some type of, of medical education. And then um, also, too, I suggest um, getting the medical equipment um, that might be necessary into the future. Um, and, and the reason why I say that is, number one, it's expensive, um, and not all insurance cover medical equipment. So, um, and when they do, it's a long, drawn-out process. So what I had for Jordan was I had a wheelchair, and I had a walker for him um, way before he even started his decline. And then he got used to seeing those items in his room so that they didn't um, – they didn't pose a position where he might be afraid of those items. Um, and then, um, then I would make sure, you know, once, once your child is diagnosed with GHD, I would make sure that you get that physical therapy, that occupational therapy and that speech therapy really early and continue it for as long as you can. Um, I think the physical therapy really helped Jordan a lot, um, and it kept his, his muscles strong so that he could help me with the transfers for as long as he could help, because um, there's a lot of transfers that have to be done, and um, for them to help you with those transfers, that's that's really huge. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with that one. Um, I think that's very important for both JHD and adult onset to get physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy as early as possible. Um, I know physical therapy has has really helped us to this point where he can't do transfers now, um, really. But 
uh, he has managed to do it up until this year. So um, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yep. You also gave a really good tip um, to me for my dad. Um, so for those of us who are taking care of uh, loved ones at home, you know, and we've we've got all of these all the medical equipment and stuff. We're trying to keep the person at home as long as possible. Um, mm-hmm. But you mentioned a dry erase board to put up, to put reminders and put information that you need. And I just want to thank you for that because that's extremely helpful. And I didn't think of it before. You're welcome. Um, we had one in, in Jordan's room the entire seven years we took <clears throat> care of him. So it came in handy. Um, I used it to put Jordan's schedule on when he would go to school. So I would write down what days, what day it was, you know, that day and where he was supposed to be. So, you know, I'd say Tuesday you're supposed to go to school or Wednesday you're supposed to go to physical therapy so that he would see that up there when he woke up. And that was huge help um, to, uh, to have something like that that I could change frequently and, um, um, so the Jordan could keep track of where he was supposed to be because he just, um, you know, if he didn't know beforehand, it was very difficult to get him to go to the places he needed to go. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that dry erase board, that came in handy for a lot. But, yeah. It's something small, but it's something that um, that helps significantly. So, so thank yep. you for that. And before before I let you go, Michelle, Thank you so much for coming on. Did you have any further things that you would want to say to people in the Huntington's community? Um, I would just say that, you know, if you want to plan on taking care of your child at home, you really have to be a creative person. Um, <laughs> you have to be able to, to think these things out and, um, um, like, for instance, I had – one of the hardest things I had was to get Jordan when I brush his teeth to get him to to spit because you can't. It's hard to get them to spit in the sink. So mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I discovered is that you could use mouthwash to brush their teeth with, with and then they don't have mm. to spit. You could just brush them anywhere. Um, and another thing is I would brush his teeth at night while he was in the shower so he could just spit all over himself in the shower and then I'd just wash him off. So, um, yeah, that was that was a difficult thing, and I had the hardest time trying to figure that one out. Um, and actually I did not get that information until after he was already gone. I was like, oh, man, I wish I had known that earlier. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that that is a that's a good tip there. And, and uh, I wish I'd known that one. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey with HD and your son's journey with HD and um, helping so much. Um, and actually, to this is a great show to lead up to um, a show we've got later on this month about durable medical equipment and how to um, get that and some resources for that. So I really appreciate yeah. you coming on and sharing what you did. You bet. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Well, you have a great day. I'm going to go ahead and end the show. Everybody, please make sure to have a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and we'll be back next week.
Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to visit www.help4hd.org and sign up for our email newsletter to stay up to date on all that is going on at Help for HD. Get social with us and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and subscribe to Help for HD TV on YouTube and ring the bell for notifications.